the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Warren Wilhelm Jr. Does that name ring a bell? You may not recognize that name, but uh, if I showed you his picture, you'd probably know who it was. And we will use the name he goes by to make him part of our Friday feature. That's right. It is Friday. And you know what that means. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. That's right. Warren Wilhelm Jr. is this week's winner. But you know him as Bill de Blasio or de Blasio. I forget which. Anyway, it's not his real name. I don't know why. He's a mayor of New York City. I don't know why he changed his name. I don't care. He was a Marxist as a young man, belonged to some Marxist organizations. A little bit of a hippie going by the pictures uh, in his youth. A big fan of the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. And last night he was on with Wolf Blitzer and won himself an award. Outdoor concerts, and it means things like parades. You know, things that here in the city can mean not just thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. It's just not time for that now. What about protests? If people want to march down Fifth Avenue, are they going to be allowed to do so? Look, Wolf, this is always an area of real sensitivity. If you're just talking about health, we would always say, hey, folks, you know, stay home if you can. But we understand at this moment in history, people are talking about the need for historic changes. I mean, today, in New York City, you know, recognizing the power and the meaning of the message Black Lives Matter, which we did in front of Trump Tower today. Uh, this is a historic moment of change. We have to respect that, but also say to people, the, the kinds of gatherings we're used to, the, the parades, the fairs, we just can't have that while we're focusing on health right now. That's right. No sports, no parades, uh, no U.S. Open tennis. No Mets games, no Yankees games, but if you'd like to protest, come on down, no problem. Uh, and Mr. Wilhelm, by the way, was also seen helping to paint Black Lives Matter on the street in front of Trump Tower yesterday. And I just saw a minute ago uh, on Twitter, he, he tweeted a uh, overhead picture of the street with Black Lives Matter painted on it. And he says, Fifth Avenue has never looked better. And once again, uh, there, nobody denies that that. Uh, that sentiment or, or disputes it black lives matter nobody nobody thinks they don't but the black lives matter organization is a marxist organization and if you're going to paint the street you really ought to have a, a hammer and sickle on there uh and that's not there and and what if i wanted to um put on the street life begins at conception would that be okay if i wanted to paint that on a street uh, when I go to the mayor for a, for a permit for that. Anyway, uh, that's uh, that's uh, Mr. Wilhelm, and uh, that what he did um, just on the street there would have been enough for him to be this week's Windows R Us Jerk of the Week. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to a guy who did some amazing research on kids and the coronavirus and whether or not they should go to school and whether they're safe. And they've never been safer. And if you have kids or grandkids that are supposed to go to school in a month and a half or so, uh, you should make sure you listen to this, and then uh, we'll, we'll tell you how to find the, uh, the, the uh, research that he did so that you can email it to whoever's in charge of deciding whether or not your school should open, whether that's the governor or the superintendent of schools or your, uh, whoever. Uh, it's, it's, uh, he's got some amazing stuff. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. 
Uncle Tom is a movie that leftist Democrats don't want you to see, which, of course, is one big reason why you should want to see it. Uh, Uncle Tom stars Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, and Brandon Tatum. Now, they all share three things in common. They're courageous, they had a life-changing experience, and they are black conservative Americans. Something else they have in common? Their voices are the ones the leftists don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. It's their stories of how their lives were changed when they finally figured out the truth. It's the story of black conservatives in their own voice. You can see Uncle Tom now on pay-per-view. Just go to UncleTom.com and download it. The stories that these courageous people have to tell will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. It's a story of redemption and hope. It's the story of America's black conservatives, and it's the truth. See Uncle Tom now. Just go to UncleTom.com. Worried about deductibles and co-pays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Stagerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything, co-pays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work, don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents. Send them packing the most humane way with plug-in pest-free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest-Free, the electromagnetic device that utilises the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away. 100% chemical-free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code RADIO20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, they're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of their amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow towels, roll-and-go anywhere pillows, duvet covers, Giza pillowcases, bolster pillows, and neck pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. Be sure to use promo code STAG. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with the global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM1250. The answer. We're still waiting for His Excellency Tom Wolf and his Aunt Rachel to uh, decree the full opening of schools next month. And whenever the people in charge talk about it, it's always about keeping the children safe. Here's the money quote from a paper published by Phil Kirpin of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Quote, there have been, based on the data so far, extremely low risks to children. It's an unbelievably low risk. This group of kids are staggeringly, staggeringly safe in general. Nobody has ever been safer in the history of humanity than these kids. That's Sir David Spiegelhalder, chair of the Winton Center for Risk and Evidence Communication in Cambridge. And Phil Kirpin uh, joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Phil. I appreciate it. 
Hey, my pleasure. Great to be with you. And uh, that guy is like, he's like the top number one expert on risk analysis in the United Kingdom. He got his freaking knighthood for being so great at risk analysis. So, uh, you know, he's not well known in this country, but when he says that in the UK, that, that carries a lot of weight. And, uh, that's, that's pretty that's strong. Pretty Nobody good. has ever been safer in the history of humanity than these kids. It's kind of tough to top that. Um, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the title of the paper, it's, uh, it's not safe to keep schools closed. Um, so what's the biggest reason for it not being safe? If you can, I, I mean, there are a lot of reasons. You do a lot of research. The, big, the biggest reason uh, for me, you know, I, it depends a little bit on uh, you know your perspective. You know, there certainly you hear a lot about uh, sort of more at-risk youth and uh, the child abuse reports being way down and that kind of thing. There were some school kids who count on school nutrition not having access to it, that kind of thing. You know, those are very serious issues, and I do deal with them in the paper. But for most kids, that's not the main issue because most kids are in homes uh, where those things are not issues. So by and large, uh, you might say, well, no, that's terrible for other people, but that's not an issue for my kid. The one thing that's an issue for everyone, really, and why we really should be concerned is the loss of classroom instruction. Uh, our kids are falling so far behind educationally. Remote learning is not an adequate substitute for genuine classroom instruction. And if you value education and you think it's important and educational attainment is important and knowledge is important, skills, all the stuff you get uh, from school, then you know this huge gap that we now have and that could potentially get even larger if school closures continue is a massive, massive problem, and it's not just a problem in terms of uh, you know educational achievement and future income, but it's a huge health problem because more educated people are, are healthier people. They live longer lives. They have lower mortality rates. Uh, you know, there's a very, very strong connection. I mean, for instance, uh, the most recent study I could find found that the difference in life expectancy between a high school graduate and a high school dropout is four to six years, uh, which is pretty huge uh, when you consider that, you know, a lot of the coronavirus deaths, you know, about in, uh, you know, about 70% of them in your state have been people in nursing homes. You know, you've got more deaths in Pennsylvania with coronavirus over age 100 than you have under age 45. And so you have to, you know, it's uh, it, the, the life expectancy lost of a lot of these people is, is not that many years. And so when you talk about the impact on children of undermining their education, that it can knock literally five years off their life, uh, that's huge. And so the loss of classroom instruction is totally unacceptable to me. Uh, that is the worst thing we could do to kids. We've done it for a long period of time. And what really makes me angry about it, in light of that great uh, quote that you read there to introduce the, this segment, is we're doing this to children uh, despite the fact that they're at staggeringly low risk themselves. For children, not for everyone, but for children, this disease is much, much less dangerous than the normal common flu. Uh, you have a lower hospitalization risk and a lower mortality risk. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, flus are something we should be afraid of, although they do obviously kill a bunch of people every year. But my point is, it's a much lower risk than the ordinary risks that we accept all the time for our children. And yet over it, uh, we're denying them something that's so important. And it's not just the, uh, you know, it's not just the, the knowledge and the educational attainment. There are also the social benefits, the mental health benefits, being with friends, all of that stuff. We've just asked this enormous, enormous sacrifice of our children. And I think it's been too much. I don't think it's acceptable for it to continue. And by the way, uh, the head of the CDC agrees with me because he said at the White House just a couple of days ago, the longer, the greater risk to society would be for the schools to stay closed. And so that is the position of the top public health official in the country as well. And, you know, everything you said there, Phil, I, mean, uh, I don't think anybody's going to argue with it about, the, you know, the importance of the education and, and uh, not being stuck at home and all that stuff. Uh, the only way that would ever make sense to make kids do that uh, would be that if they were, their lives were in danger, if you sent them to school, I mean that that wouldn't that would be but, an but okay then, trade-off. Even then, we don't usually even then we don't usually make this decision. Remember, in two thousand nine, when the swine flu came through, and the swine flu, uh, it killed a lot less Americans overall 
than coronavirus did, but it killed a lot more children. The deaths were almost all among young people, unlike with this one where it's all among old people. And, you know, over 2,000 school-aged children died in 2009 in the swine flu. And President Obama at the time made a big point of not closing the schools, of saying, you know, education is too important, even with that level of death. And now we've got something like, I think, 30 school-aged children that have died with coronavirus. And I'm not minimizing the loss of those children uh, by any means, but, you know, we made a decision just, you know, just a little over 10 years ago that we didn't think it was worth it to close the schools when there were 2,000 school-aged children dying uh, in well, the swine flu. And so we've really made a very, very different sort of decision this time, and I, I think it's been the wrong one. And several thousand pediatricians from the American Academy of Pediatricians say, could, uh, say that kids should be physically present uh, so what's the problem with po- politicians? I mean, why is this happening, that there's even any question about schools? What well, are they basing it on? That, well, I think that um, you've got a couple of things. One, you do have some teachers who are maybe on the older side, over 65, something like that, or even over 60, who kind of look at the risk by age, and maybe they've got a, maybe they've got diabetes or they've got a heart condition, and they say, well, this is going to be dangerous for me. I don't want to go to work. And then they, they, you know, because they have such powerful unions, much more so than in other industries, they have the ability to resist going back to work. But I would just point out uh, there's nothing unique in that regard about schools. Uh, you could have people in that situation in literally any workplace in America who aren't comfortable going back, and you know, you got to make a decision either to, you know, uh, let them take early retirement or pay them not to work or make some accommodation for them, uh, or maybe you could move them to a different role that doesn't need to be, uh, you know, physically present or what have you. But you, the the number of actual at-risk people is not that great, and it's really no different than any other workplace. In fact, in a way, it's less dangerous uh, than other workplaces because children are such are so unlikely to get the disease and unlikely to spread it compared to adults. You know, it's a fraction of adults that compared to most other workplaces where you interact with adults, the risk is probably less. So I would say that it's the political power and influence of the unions that sort of amplifies the voice of sort of the subset uh, of teachers who are in the risk categories, which I think is a, is a relatively small subset, but, but I think that's part of it. And then also just the... Um, you know, part of it is just the fear and the hysteria that was created by closing the schools in the first place. And, you know, another thing that, that uh, the CDC director said that I thought was really interesting at the White House a couple of days ago, is he said over and over again in his speech, the CDC never called for school closures. We never thought schools should close because it's a low-risk setting. We didn't think it was important. It contributed importantly to the spread. And so, you know, the schools all closed because people panicked, and they all closed despite what the what the public health officials were recommending. And when that happens... When people see all the schools in the country close, what do you think is apparent? You think there must be a reason. They must know something. And, you know, once you've bought into that for months, and you've seen, you know, it's very hard to move people off of that. And, and that fear and that, that belief that, you know, even though the stats I see don't show it, there, there must be some reason behind it. And so that affects the politics of it because, the, you know, the pe- people get scared. It's reflected in polls. Politicians see the polls, and they say, I'll give them what they want, and I'll keep schools closed. And so I think that's been part of it, too. We're talking to Phil Kirpin of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Phil, before we go on here, where, where could, uh, where, how can people find the paper that you uh, put out? Uh, committee to Unleash Prosperity.com. And it's right there, okay. And I, I read it. It's, it's, there's some amazing stuff in there. And you're talking about the safety for the teachers. See, I, I guess I would have, I'd feel a little bit better about the politicians if they were honest about it then. And they said, you know what, we have teachers who are, uh, they're old and they're in the endangered group and we don't want to endanger them, so we're not going to have school. But they, they try to present themselves as they're, they're, they care so much about the safety of the children that they're worried about it. And they, they don't – These are these the same older teachers who were okay with the kids coming to school when, when they were dying from the influenza? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? That I agree with you. I think it's very dishonest to say, you know, we can't have school because of the children, because this is a, you know, as I said, it's a much lower threat to children than the threats we accept every day. I mean, your, your, your child is more likely to die commuting to school uh, in an auto- automobile accident uh, than they are to die of this coronavirus. And so, you know, the risks are completely out of whack for that. If they were more honest about it and said, you know, this is really about the adult personnel, the, the bus driver, the, this, the lunch personnel, the teachers, you know, how do we make sure that the ones that are in risk categories are going to be all right? Uh, that's a legitimate conversation. 
that's a valid conversation. And maybe they need to have masks or they need to have acrylic partitions or they need to have something. Or, you know, maybe you can't figure out how to make it work for some of them. And so you, you pay out early retirement or something like that. Uh, I have no problem making those sorts of accommodations, but I, I do have a big problem uh, trying to scare the public with, with uh, concerns that, that really aren't based in the science. How many high school kids have died from COVID-19? Uh, about 20 that we know of nationally. And how many of those were healthy prior to uh, That virus? we don't know, but probably, probably very few. Because under the age of 45, according to the CDC, almost all of the deaths had very serious comorbidities. And, and under 45, by the way, is only about 2.5% of the coronavirus well, deaths. So uh, here in western Pennsylvania, and this includes 20 counties, the latest number I saw, number of people under 40 who have died from the COVID-19 virus, two. In the entire west, west well, all, that's western Pennsylvania, so... Pennsylvania has some amazing statistics because, you know, most states only break out the, um, the deaths by, like, a couple of big age groups. But Pennsylvania does this weekly report where they break it out by every five years of age. Mm-hmm. And uh, you now have 10 deaths in the state of Pennsylvania of people who are over the age of 105, uh, which I believe is more than you have under the age of 25. So you have more over age 105 than, yeah. than under 25. Uh, I didn't know you even had that many above age 105 yeah, to die. Right. I mean, to have 10 die, I don't know how many you were starting with, but it's pretty remarkable. And you've got, you know, more over age 100 than you have under 45. You've got, well, you know, the argument I always get uh, when, I, when I say it's ridiculous to worry about the kids' safety is that it's all about them infecting adults, especially uh, grandma and grandpa, you know, who might be 105. Uh, the numbers don't well, back look, that up either, do they? No, I mean, look, uh, I don't want to say that it can't happen because it is possible, um, but children are very unlikely to catch the disease compared to adults, and even when they have it, they're considerably less infectious. They're less likely to infect others. Uh, Most of the pediatric cases that we know of, they were infected by their own parents, Uh, and so it's rare to have the infection go the other way from child to adult. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm sure there people will find examples, mm-hmm. but it's very rare. It's uh, you know it's so rare that uh, you know in a lot of countries they've basically said to you know, disregard that. I remember Switzerland made this big you know public you know, they sort of public relations campaign a couple months ago. Said it's safe to hug your grandchildren again. They were like, do not be scared to hug your grandchildren. And so uh, it is not you know. I'm not going to say it can't happen, but it's extremely unlikely uh, that you're going to have that on, in any, on any significant scale. And, you know, that's why even the CDC said the same thing. You know, we don't have published household studies from the U.S. yet the way we do from a lot of these countries. Uh, but the CDC director, Dr. Redfield, said that the U.S. household studies not yet published show the same thing, that children are almost never what they call the index case. They almost never bring the disease into the household. It's usually the other way around. They get it from adults in the household. Now, I have only about a minute and a half left, and I'm up against a hard break, and I think this is important. Uh, Why is the six-foot social distancing obsession dumb for kids in school? You're hearing about all these plans to send them back and what they're going to do to the classrooms. Well, it's it's just not a practical. uh, It doesn't work. You can't fit enough kids in for it to work. And so what it leads to is these ridiculous part-time schedules, which are the absolute worst-case scenario, because now you've got kids part-time in school with a group of kids in their class, and the other time with some other child care arrangement with different kids and different adults, which, you know, if you're worried about population mixing and disease transmission, it's literally the worst possible outcome you could have because you've got all kids in all different groups of populations overlapping in all different ways. And so it's an absolute worst case scenario. And quite frankly, it now appears that a lot of the indoor transmission is airborne. It's aerosol transmission, in which case if it's in the room, you could be exposed to it, whether you're three feet or six feet or 10 feet, it's more important to have some sort of air purification or filtration in that room than it is to have uh, an arbitrary distance. And, and that's being recommended now for most schools that they put in some kind of air purification or filtration. I have 30 seconds left, um, and it's hard work. Masks, where are we with those? Can you do it in 30 seconds? Uh, well, you know, the, there's still a lot of studies both ways on whether they do anything at all in any context, and so it's really not proven one way or the other. Uh, With children specifically, there's a major concern that especially with younger children, they can't consistently wear them. They can't avoid touching them. Some adults have trouble with that as well, by the way. And if you're not using the mask uh, perfectly, if you're touching it, if you're not, it's not sealing your face, it can easily increase infection rather than decreasing it. So AAP says probably not for grade school, maybe for middle school. Thanks, Phil. Done. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. 
Beaches are closed in Delaware and rain is lashing the New Jersey shores. Fast-moving tropical storm Faye turns north on a path expected to soak the New York City region. Forecasters expect Faye to bring two to four inches of rain with the possibility of flash flooding in parts of the mid-Atlantic and southern New England. That's down from the earlier forecast of about three to five inches of rain. A tropical storm warning remains in effect from Fenwick Island, Delaware, to Watch Hill, Rhode Island. The warning area includes Long Island and the Long Island Sound in New York. President Trump is postponing his planned rally Saturday in New Hampshire, citing the tropical storm. The event, slated to be held at an aircraft hangar in Portsmouth, will be delayed by a week or two. Wall Street closing higher. The Dow gained 369 points today. The Nasdaq was up 69. This is SRN News. Land ho! <laughs> hey, hey, seriously, land, land ho, guys. Guys, land ho! I'm s- land ho! Land ho! Land ho! Right there! <laughs> the tides can turn quick on the water. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered with sign and glide on water towing. Get a quote today in as little as three minutes at progressive.com. I gotta say, this land ho thing, not very effective. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Sign and glide coverage is subject to policy terms. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Dr. Sebastian Gorka knows which candidate is looking out for you. Which side do you think really cares for you? Is it Donald Trump who sacrificed all for four years, not even picking up a paycheck? Or is it Nancy and Chuck Schumer and Sleepy Creepy? America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. The Answer Pittsburgh celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound senior's achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at TheAnswerPGH.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Smear a bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section. Feel blue star work fast or your money back. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway East, you're going to see about a four-minute delay outbound. Greenville Bridge overpass to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound also heavy into the tunnel and into the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West looking just a little slow into the Fort Pitt Tunnel. First water main still an issue in Mount Lebanon area. Castle Shannon Boulevard at Cypress Way. Also in Shaler, Fallen Power Lines, McElhenney Road at Weibel Run Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
Tonight we'll see mostly cloudy skies. It will be humid with a shower or thunderstorm around. Tonight's low 67. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, not as warm with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. The high 80. Tomorrow night, clear to partly cloudy skies. It'll be humid with a low of 64. Sunday, we'll see variable cloudiness with a shower or thunderstorm in spots late in the afternoon. The high 85. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, Carnegie Mellon has already canceled football and all fall sports for this year, and nobody knows what's going to happen with the high school football and other sports. It's probably not a good sign for high school kids around here that they're seriously discussing canceling high school football in Texas. Matt McCoviak is a Pittsburgh guy, lives in Texas now. He's a political pundit and consultant and also the chairman of the Travis County uh, Republican Party, and he joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Matt. Hey, man, how are you doing? Good, good. So did um, e- even the suggestion of uh, canceling high school football down there cause rioting in the streets? <laughs> you would think so. Um, you know, we're getting all kinds of different sort of mixed signals in Texas. You know, our our education commissioner said all the schools are going to be open. Uh, you know, all the public schools are going to be open, except in truly extreme situations. So if it's if it's safe enough to open the you know the public schools, you would think it's safe enough to play football. But look, there are a lot of questions about this. You know, you can quarantine pro football players, perhaps, or you can you know make them do things you can't make high school kids or you know middle school kids do. So. Um, I think everyone's trying to figure out how to do this. And, of course, the, um, you know, the high school football law is really important in Texas. Texas the, the financial. Yeah. Um, no. So it's easy. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it's easier to cancel or consider canceling high school football than it is college or, or pro. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just had my get my previous guest. I was just on, uh, and he's uh, – you can check him out. I don't know if you're aware of Phil Kirpin. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Well, he if if you saw if you if you listen to not just listen to but he just put out a paper with all kinds of data and uh, statistics on this, how how safe it is for kids in school and they they, they quoted a guy from Cambridge um, and he said uh, basically that uh, no kids in human history have ever been safer than kids are right now. And uh, so you see this everywhere, and they're afraid that the high school kids are going to, what are they going to do, die if they if they get the, get the virus? There's like 40 high school kids in the country have died from this. More more died from the flu. So uh, what what's the argument for, in Texas anyway, for not opening the schools and not, you know, going, getting back to normal for the kids anyway? Yeah, look, part of this depends a lot on the constituency, right? I think parents very much want their kids back in school. They want to, you know, try to get back to some type of new normal. They want to be able to go back to work. Um, you know, they have their kids home for the summer, but a lot of them have had them home since mid-March. It's a really mm-hmm. long time, and it's, it's making it very difficult for people to kind of get their, their, their work done throughout the day and get errands done. Uh, look, the argument would be that, that school, you know, the kids have a lot of germs, that they're in close proximity, they're probably not going to wear masks and socially distance. And, but you're right. I mean, if you look, I, I saw a chart yesterday that showed death rate by age group, and it was in, it was in 10 year increments. And it was, I forget the number, but it was, uh, if you're under 40, the likelihood that you die from coronavirus was less than 4%. And I think under 30, it was less than 1%. No, uh, I, Goldie, oh, I, yeah. Hey, Matt, here in western Pennsylvania, and you're familiar with western Pennsylvania from Pittsburgh, yeah. uh, this includes 20 counties. You know how many people have died under the age of 45 from the coronavirus in, in western hmm. Pennsylvania? Hmm. Two. Two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you look, know, you've got, you got NBA players wearing hazmat suits in Florida because they're afraid <laughs> they're going to get yeah. the virus. Yeah, it's, it's, a bit, it's become a bit ridiculous. And, and look, it, there's, no, there's no question that the number of cases in, is increasing. Um, no one mm-hmm. wants to see that. It is putting pressure on healthcare systems around the country, particularly in areas where we're seeing hot spots. But, but we also know that the, the virus appears to be more mild now. And unless you are over 65 or you have underlying health problems, you are almost surely going to survive coronavirus. Um, in, in that sense, it is in many ways no worse than the flu in terms of the death rate. Yep. Um, again, if you're not in those two groups we talked about. So, I, I mean, I know the media wants to play up the number of cases. They're not playing up the number of recoveries. They're not playing up the fact that the death rate is, has gone down considerably. And they're not playing up the fact that, that one of the reasons why the number of cases has increased is because younger people are contracting coronavirus, and they're yep. generally healthier. So, 
So there's a lot here to this. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how these different school districts around the country handle this. You have teachers unions that are saying we're not going to we're not going to go to we're not going to go to work. Um, but you got parents that are saying we want our kids back in school. So you know, somewhere you know they're going to have to work this out and figure it out. But I, I generally think parents have more power than teachers do. Well, uh, Texas has been in the news a lot lately, uh, national news, and the national media uh, would have us believe that there's reason for panic down there. I mean, hospitals are becoming overrun. Uh, what's the real story? I mean, how, how much panic is there? How much panic might be justified? Yeah, look, there are certain parts of the state that are that are feeling pressure. I mean, Austin, where I live, certainly is, Houston is, um, and the trajectory has been, has been going up. Now, they want to blame our governor for reopening the state, which he started on, April, on, on May 1st for that. Uh, I, I think it's far more complicated than that because in the first month, we really didn't see the number of positive cases increase uh, meaningfully. It really didn't start till June. So I think it's a mix of things. I think it's partially young people going to bars and getting together. Uh, I think it's partially the protests that occurred in June uh, where you had a lot of people that were not socially distanced or not wearing masks. I think it's partially that we're testing more people in Texas, just like we are around the country. It's also partially the reopening. Uh, but then we've also tested everyone who's in the nursing home and, and more than half the people that are in prisons in Texas. So all of those, all of those reasons are sort of mixed together uh, and put us in a position where in certain areas in our state, there is a crush on our, on our healthcare system. Now, part of the reason for that, though, is that hospitals are doing elective surgeries. And, and, and hospitals generally want 85, 90, 95% capacity in their, in their facilities. If they don't, it's hard to make money. And elective surgeries are where they make money. Uh, they're not making any money on treating anyone with coronavirus. So, uh, so, so this is a more complex picture, you know, than, than I think it's being portrayed as. Um, we're not turning people away. Uh, in fact, I saw in Austin where, where there's been all kinds of fear-mongering. We were considering bringing people from South Texas into Austin who have coronavirus to take care of them in our hospitals. So, you know, if we were being overrun, presumably we wouldn't be bringing people in. So it's more complicated probably of a story than what people are hearing. But certainly Texas, uh, Arizona, you know, Florida, a few other states uh, are dealing with higher numbers of positive cases uh, than they'd like to. But, 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 again, the death rate is down considerably in all those places as well. And, and, the, and the per capita number compared to New York is like one-tenth. Uh, yeah, the de- yeah, the death. Per- yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's like it's unbelievable. I, I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but in in, the, in New York, you know, it, it, on their worst days, they were losing thousands of people in one day. I think the worst day we've had in Texas is 250 deaths mm-hmm. in one day. So yes, it is it is absolutely a fraction of that, and we need to focus on the deaths, right? I mean, look, no one wants to contract coronavirus. No one wants anyone else to contract it. But you know, this is not something that that you need to fear. Unless you are, you know, in your mid to late 60s, certainly in your 70s or 80s, or unless you have an underlying health situation. If you have had, you know, have lung cancer, you have diabetes, um, you know, you have some type of, you know, heart, heart condition, those kinds of things, uh, you're going to be at greater risk of, of dying. But, you know, we don't, you know, John, we don't walk around worried about getting the flu, right? Every few years right. you get the flu, you, get, you know, you get a bad vaccine that year. Uh, it's, a, it's a vicious strain. You have a bad week where it's pretty miserable, but you get through it. And that's really what most people are dealing with with coronavirus. And we're letting coronavirus sort of dictate, you know, whether people can go to work. Uh, we're, we're about to see evictions and bankruptcies and more people laid off in the next four, four weeks, I think, uh, because, uh, because of the pause on the reopening of the economy around the country and even maybe taking a step back and, and reinstituting some shelter at home in some specific states. Well, uh, Governor Abbott down there is taking a lot of uh, heat for opening Texas so soon. Uh, not maybe not taking it in Texas, but uh, the media, the the liberals in the media, um, are second guessing the hell out of them, and also Georgia, Florida. But are people in Texas second guessing their governor for opening too so, soon? So he's he's getting criticism from every side here in Texas. You have people on the far right who think he's been, you know, sort of almost tyrannical, which I think is a, a significant overstatement. You have people on the left that want him to either shut down the entire economy or let mayors and county judges in urban areas go back to shutdowns, and he has not let them do that. All he's done is he's basically put a statewide mask order in effect if you cannot socially distance, um, mm-hmm. and, and he's letting you know cities and counties execute that, and I think it was a $250 fine if you refuse to put a mask on if you're not socially distancing from others. Um, he's not, you know, gone back to shelter at home. He's not even really gone back to an earlier phase. He's, we're still kind of all the way there. I think he's closed the bars. That was the one, one of the steps he took, which obviously is really hurting the bar industry in our state. But, but but bars were really not doing what they needed to do. They had a lot of young people. You don't go to a bar and stand apart from everyone. You, you go to a bar to hang out with other people. 
that's part of why you, why you do it. So, um, yeah. yeah, he's, he's in Texas. Look at, you know, I've seen some polling has done his numbers have gone down a little bit. Uh, but you know, he's, he's in a tight spot. He's got no, no perfect option. Every option has a downside. He's trying to balance public health with saving the economy. And there's no, there's no easy choice. If there's an easy choice, it would have already been made. There's just so much stupidity going around, though. I mean, I talked to a guy the other day. He went to a local public golf course, and um, he rode over there in the car with a guy he was playing with, and they made him take separate carts. And you can either take a separate cart or they give you a cart with a piece of plexiglass put in it so that you're not breathing on each other while you're playing. You rode over there in the car together, okay, sitting like two feet from each other inside, and you're outside on a golf course on a hot summer day, and they want you to not be in the same golf cart with the guy. I mean, it's the sum of the stupidity. Who comes up with this stuff? Yeah, and I think, look, John, the, the, the challenge here always has been it's not about mandates. It's not about punishments. It's about persuasion. It's about getting people to mm-hmm. voluntarily take steps. And in March and April, I thought the federal government and the states did a good job of convincing people that this really could be an unbelievable, uncontrollable disaster for our country if we don't get ahead of it. And honestly, it wasn't because anyone said you had to stay home. They, people stayed home because they, they thought it was the right thing to do. And I, the CDC said we had 90% compliance. But what's changed in the last, in the last couple of months is people don't, have not felt like the direct threat to them from coronavirus is as serious. And now that we reopen, they're ch- trying to get us to go back to some sort of partial shelter at home. I think people feel like it's not, it's not really borne out by the, by the circumstance. You can still be safe, but live, you know, sort of live your life and get, get things done and run errands and, you know, everyone's doing things reasonably safely. Um, so, you know, if, if the goal is, is no new cases of coronavirus, one, you know, on your average day, I don't know that we're going to be there for, for six or nine or 12 months. The goal ought to be to minimize, um, you know, the threat of coronavirus to people, particularly in vulnerable populations, but also trying to save the economy. We got it. We have to do that. I mean, people are in desperate situations. The average person has less than $400 in their savings account. And that was, you know, that was in March when, when you know, the, when the economy was, was roaring and it's now been basically frozen in place for three or four months, and it's likely not to get better for a couple more months at least. We're talking to Matt McCoviak. Uh, he's a former Pittsburgh guy. I guess you're always a Pittsburgh guy living in Texas. That's right. Uh, political pundit, consultant, also chairman of the Travis County Republican Party. I saw a poll today, or yesterday maybe it was, that, said, that shows Texas only leaning Republican right now for the presidential election. How's President Trump doing down there? Yeah, you've seen a number of polls that have shown the race close in Texas. I don't really buy it, and, and the reason I don't buy it isn't just unique to Texas. It's sort of my overall view on the race itself. What you're seeing in polling right now, John, is they're polling registered voters or they're polling all adults. They're not polling likely mm-hmm. voters. They generally don't do that until September when you're closer to the election when someone can really tell you whether they're likely to vote or not. So that's really not capturing the, the intensity advantage that Trump has among his base. It's probably his most single, single most uh, valuable advantage against Biden is he has an intensity advantage. So I don't think this is a 14-point race nationally, and I don't think it's a one-point race in Texas. Now, look, is Trump in good shape right now? No, he's not. He's in, in the high 30s in job approval. His, his re-elect number tracks his job approval. He's got to get back to the mid-40s. Uh, and I think at times he gets into sort of, you know, controversies and fights that are not, not helpful. He needs to focus on the economy, focus on getting past coronavirus, focus on continuing to deliver on the promises, that, you know, that he made as a candidate, and focus on the contrast of Biden. When he does that, uh, as he did with his Mount Rushmore speech, uh, whenever that was, uh, uh, Friday of July 4th weekend, uh, I think yeah. he's, you know, at times I think he does things, he, he does well, but at times he also picks unnecessary fights and takes attention away from where he needs to be. So I don't expect Texas to be badly ground state. I don't expect Biden to campaign here or to you know, spend significant resources here. It's going to come down to Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. The, person, you know, the candidate that wins two of those three states is highly likely to be the next president of the United States. Is anybody down there abol- uh, proposing abolishing the police in Texas? Abolishing, no. Cuts. To the police department, yes. Uh, in fact, unfortunately, in Austin, our city council has basically voted a $100 million budget cut, and it's going to take effect in August. Uh, thankfully, in Houston and in Dallas, they've been, they've been wiser than that. And they've actually, even though they have progressive Democratic mayors, they've basically said no. Uh, they're being far more reasonable uh, than what you're seeing in other places. You know, you've seen ridiculous cuts. Minneapolis abolished their police department, whatever that means. L.A. cut yeah. it by their budget by a billion dollars. Uh, New York City just cut, I forget what the number was, at least $250 million. It might have been a billion. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there are going to be profound repercussions from that, not just race, you know, increases in violent crime. But, you know, John, the, the, the truly the saddest thing about that, if you think about it, is 
who is, you know, what kind of community is most likely to be disadvantaged if the police budget is cut? It's, it's the poorer neighborhoods where they're yep. going to see more crime, they're going to see longer response times to 911 calls. It's not wealthy areas. Um, you know, it, it's going to be poor areas. So the, the people that they want to help the most by, you know, I guess trying to send social workers in instead of police officers. When, when you call 911, you don't want a, a social worker showing up at your door. No, I don't. No, I no. don't. I don't ever want a social worker, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I got about a minute and a half left. I'll just get back to what we started on here. Um, you're just to lighten it up here on a Friday. Friday night is yeah. a high school football night. Um, you grew up here. How does Texas high school football compare to high school football there in Western, here in Western PA? I'm not talking about quality of play. Sure. I'm talking about enthusiasm yeah. and yeah. what it means. We, we don't have, I'll say this, we don't have anything that's as intense and valued as the WPL championship. <laughs> you don't? But No, we don't. I mean, you know, the state championship is a big deal. We have so many different levels, of 6A and 5A. I yeah. think 5A might even have two levels. But yes, I mean, it, look, it, the Friday Night Lights idea of high school football in Texas is a real thing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's even more real in, in sort of these rural areas or out in West Texas, where the high school is the largest employer in the community. It's, it's the social and cultural center of, of the town. The football coach is the most important person, you know, in the city. That, that does exist. Um, it exists in some suburbs, too, where you have these massive, you know, $20 million stadiums for high school teams. So high school football is a big deal. Recruiting is a big deal here. You know, Texas, Texas A&M. These are, these are, you know, major, major, major football programs that have, you know, storied histories, huge budgets, um, you, know, you know, big personalities. Uh, there's a lot riding on it. It's, it's a big deal. If they were to somehow, you know, cut that back or cancel it outright, I mean, there would be irate people, which I don't think. Oh, yeah. Hey, Matt, I'm, I'm out of time. Matt McCoviak, always good to have you on. You give us our, uh, our, our uh, Texas update. I'm sure I'll be calling you again for this. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Take care. You too. Matt McCoviak, and we'll be right back. We're all thinking a lot about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. We're Diamond and Silk, and we have a new book coming out called Uprising. The Awakening of Diamond and Silk. No one we grew up with could have dreamed of what we have been able to accomplish. Our mother was born in poverty to share property. She was living the American nightmare. So for us, the American dream meant not only the freedom to find love and follow our faith. Freedom meant not letting anyone else define who we are what we can do, or who we should vote for. In Uprising, we talk about the world we grew up in and what led us to rebel against that world. And how rebellion led us to speak out on politics and reach millions of viewers and how you can reach others too. You've seen us and you've heard us. Now read all about us in Uprising. Uprising by Diamond and Silk, coming August 18th. Pre-order at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. 
technologies. With everything in our toolkit working for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. This is Rhett Rasmussen, president of BestHotGrill.com. We've proudly advertised on the Salem Radio Network since 2014, and you've likely heard about our hot, fast Solaire infrared grills, realistic fireplace gas log sets, contemporary fireballs, and stylish Bromic patio heaters. For those who can purchase now, we are offering, for a limited time, a 15% discount and free shipping at our online store, which you may access through BestHotGrill.com using coupon code strong that's strong during checkout but if you can't buy now i have a special offer just for our valued salem radio listeners who contact us for a quote by april 30 i will lock in the prices the 15 percent discount and free shipping until the end of this year so you can purchase when you are ready contact us for a quote by april 30 and you have until december 31 2020 to pull the trigger so go to besthotgrill.com that's besthotgrill.com to buy now with code strong or contact us for a locked-in quote. BestHotGrill.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's a serious storm brewing out here in Washington County where I'm doing the show. I've been doing the show from home now for, I don't know, a month and a half, month and a half at least, two months, two months. Uh, anyway, today I think today's the second year, and we started our uh, second year, or finished our second year today. I think it's uh, the second anniversary of the start of the show. I appreciate everybody listening. I want to finish with this. This is from the CDC from 2017. You ready for this? CDC does not routinely, routinely recommend the use of face masks by well persons in the home or other community settings as a means of avoiding infection during influenza pandemics, except under special high-risk circumstances. For example, during a severe pandemic, pregnant women and other persons at high risk for influenza complications might use face masks if unable to avoid crowded settings, especially if no pandemic vaccine is available. In addition, persons caring for ill family members at home, example, a a parent of a child exhibiting influenza symptoms, might use a face mask. In other words, why are we all wearing face masks now when three years ago they said we didn't need them? Thanks for listening. I'll see you Monday. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.